0: Okay, Welcome to another episode of New Books in Terrorism and Organized Crime. I'm your host, Mark Locks, from Brisbane in Australia. And tonight, we have the pleasure to talk to Guido Steinberg, who is in Berlin, about his new book, German Jihad, on the internationalization of Islamic terrorism. Hello, Guido. How are you? I'm fine. How are you, Mark? <laughs> very, very good. Very glad to be able to have this chance to talk to you. As I was saying in the pre-interview, you're the very first uh, German we've had on the show, so I'm very happy to have this opportunity.
1: Great. Thank you very much. I thank you.
0: Yes. Now, um, as we normally do in these interviews, we'll start off with just uh, a background about yourself. So, what's your personal background, your study background, and how you ended up where you are in writing this book?
1: Well, I am currently working for a German think tank. It's called the German Institute for International and Security Affairs or in German Stiftung Wissenschaft uh, und Politik. Uh, That's why the abbreviation is SWP. I've been working here for seven years. Uh, I'm an Islamicist by training, and I wrote my PhD thesis uh, on the Saudi Arabian Wahhabia. Um, And, uh, well, ever since uh, 2001, I have been uh studying terrorism i worked in the german chancellor's office uh, in the time of our chancellor gerhard schröder for four years and uh, in 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 all these years i i came to realize that the the german jihadist scene is growing not only in the country, but it is becoming more uh, important internationally. Ever since 2006, we witness uh, a growing number of young Germans of different backgrounds, um, of German origin, uh, converts, uh, Turkish origin, Kurdish, increasingly Afghans and, and, and others, uh, going to Pakistan, joining terrorist organizations um, over over there. And uh, sometime in 2009, 2010, I decided that the time was ripe um, to to write a book about it. um, Because I had already written a book about jihadist terrorism in German, which is called The Near and the Far Enemy in 2005, arguing that the basis uh, of everything that is happening is events in countries like Saudi Arabia and Egypt, and um, uh, that uh, many... Many people discussing the problem did not really know about the origins, the local origins, the national origins of what was happening. And uh, I think there has been a substantial internationalization process ever, ever since 2001, and that the German scene is in a way paradigmatic because if we go back to 2001, uh, Al-Qaeda and, uh, and uh, large parts of the jihadist movement were still... Um, were still dominated by the Arabs. They were very much connected to local events in um, Arab countries and that has changed. And I think by taking, uh, taking a look uh, at the Germans, especially the Turks and Kurds, going to Turkey, um, joining organizations, Uzbek organizations and Al-Qaeda in Pakistan, um, there is a way to... To, to deeper analyze this internationalization process. So I do, do not only write about Germany, Germans and Turks and the jihadist movement, but I write uh, in a more theoretical way about the larger movement and the way it has, has taken ever since 2001.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, one of the things I really enjoyed about your book is this other perspective. Um, obviously, I've read quite a few books during these podcasts and we're getting very much an English language perspective of the world, so the particular migration patterns to England, to the United States, to Australia, New Zealand and Canada have not been reflected in Germany. You have a very different demographic makeup, which has led to this different perspective you're discussing, that Turkish um, background of most of the uh, migrant population, well certainly the Islamic migrant population, has led to a completely different response and a different um, career path, I suppose, for a number of the people who've been participating in jihad in Germany?
1: Yes. Well, yes, uh, the the Germans in a way uh, are latecomers again, now the jihadists. Um, And uh, I I still remember vividly the the discussions uh, in the Chancellor's office in 2004, 2005. Whenever we had Americans coming over, uh, they would argue that the lack of integration of european muslims was a problem not only for the europeans but also for the us um and that happened after the attacks uh, in madrid in 2004 in london in 2005 and some uh, some smaller terrorist attacks. So the Americans were frightened that these European jihadists with European passports would uh, find it easier to enter the US and perpetrate attacks over there. Now our reaction here in Germany at least on the official side was that uh, this was, of course, wrong. Our argumentation was that the Iraq War was the very root of the terrorist threat, also also here in, in Europe. And we argued that if the lack of integration uh, was indeed a problem causing radicalization, then Germany would have to be at the forefront of this problem, simply because um, our Turks and Kurds are so so badly integrated into German society. And in a way, I realized that this was premature in two thousand and six when we had the first um evidence when we found the first evidence that larger number of young Turks and Kurds and others were joining uh, the jihadist movement and uh, movement in in a way, this uh, German jihadist movement has a very peculiar worldview, which is different from what I would call the Arab jihadist uh, worldview, focusing on the Arab world, on Afghanistan and so on. So the Germans, because uh, Turks are so, so heavily represented uh, uh, among them, we have about 2.5 million uh, people of Turkish origin here in the country, uh, because Turks are so heavily represented among our jihadists as well, they have adopted this Turkish jihadist worldview taken Uh, a very close look at territories which have formerly been been a part of the Ottoman Empire. So they are very much interested in in events um, in the Balkans, especially Bosnia. They are very much interested in the Caucasus and a little bit less in Afghanistan and Pakistan. And that is what I have tried to do in the book, try to describe the the, I mean, the physical voyages of uh, these people via Turkey either to Chechnya or then to Afghanistan and Pakistan, but also the ideological links. This, uh, I would call it the Turkic uh, jihadist worldview, which is a little bit different. And I think the most striking aspect um, of this worldview is that the war in the Caucasus, especially in Chechnya, is so, um, so especially important for all uh, the German jihadists in the last uh, in the last ten to fifteen years
0: that's right it's um, a different process too of radicalization i think as well because they've got the different cultural background being Turkish rather than arabic you you point out that uh, often they 're pushed to one side because of an Arabic prejudice amongst a lot of the um overseas groups especially in the training areas i think
1: yes uh, this is uh, this is what happened but i th- I, I think uh, In in the first years, uh, the the problem for many of these German jihadists was that they did not have any connection to the Arab speaking jihadist world. I mean, as a I mean, I I quote one of these uh, one of these guys uh, in the book who says that uh, who says to one of his recruits here in Germany that he has to study Arabic because Arabic is the language of the mujahideen, and if as a young German you wanted to join. Uh, al-qaeda or the jihadist movement uh, in in pakistan in the tribal areas in afghanistan you would have to know some arabic you would have to make contact um to Arabs. And for many Germans this is impossible because um, the German converts normally they speak German, they might speak something English. The others, uh, the Turks and the Kurds, normally don't speak Arabic. There has been a tendency to study Arabic, but that has remained the case. So in 2006, when the first um Germans, Germans, um, the first German groups, came to Pakistan in order to join the jihadist movement, they did not join Al-Qaeda, but they joined Uzbek organizations. In the beginning, the Islamic Jihad Union, later on, the Islamic movement of Uzbekistan, and I argue that the main reason is language. Because as a Turk, you can communicate, or as a Turkish speaker, you can communicate with other with uh, with Austics. Uh, you can communicate with people from Azerbaijan. You simply have to you have to play a little bit with language, and then you can join them. You can uh, you can uh, go through the training in their in their camp, and that was uh, that was the moment when we in Germany had to realize that the attractiveness of jihadist thought was a lot uh, um, a lot stronger than we always thought uh, it was only that most of these young men and later on women had problems communicating with the jihadists and now they had turkic speaking organizations and this is when they um when they traveled uh, to pakistan in flows so the number in 2007 2008 2009 uh, became a lot higher. Just to give you an example, in 2009 alone, uh, nearly 40 uh, Germans um, traveled to Pakistan and joined different jihadist organizations uh, in the tribal areas. And this movement, it has a lot to do uh, with language, especially Turkish.
0: Right, right. I want to get on um, soon to talk about um, the Salon group, if I pronounced that correctly.
1: Yeah, Zauerland. Zauerland, right?
0: (laughs) Sorry, rather. (laughs) But um, I think first it might be good if you can outline to us the normal path of radicalization and and also point out that, uh, as you just mentioned, uh, some of the participants here are actually Germans who convert rather than simply uh, from the Turkish migrant population.
1: Yes, yes. If I talk about Germans, I talk about sociological Germans. I don't uh, really... Uh, and these are all those people who have spent most of their lives uh, here in Germany, um, um, notwithstanding their nationality. Many Turks who have been born here uh, do not hold German nationality, uh, but I consider uh, consider them to be German. Um, and uh, well, there is no no single path uh, of radicalization here in Germany. But if we, if we try uh, to establish some rules. It, it is obvious that there are certain Salafist centers all over Germany who have served as a uh, recruitment uh, ground. Most importantly, most famously, well, most infamously, uh, the Al Quds Mosque, uh, where uh, in Hamburg, where the 9 11 uh pilots played. But there have been other centers and in the early phase uh, a place called the multi multicultural house in um in Ulm no in Neu Ulm in southern Germany was prominent. And uh, in most of these centers um there have been single personalities who recruited who at, at least drove these young people towards towards jihadist Thought these were normally not uh, the official imams of these centers, but rather personalities who were known to everybody, who were affiliated to the center, but then took these young people with them uh, to private homes and uh, and uh, preached uh, to them over there. So we have Neu-Ulm in the early phase, later on Hamburg, Bonn. Um, also uh Berlin, where these people went to salafist centers, then found someone who proposed um to go um, to either to Pakistan or to training camps in uh, in other, uh, in other uh, jihad uh, theaters. The young men uh organized themselves afterwards they went in small groups and then tried uh tried to find a way tried to link up to a certain organization. And the pioneers pioneers were indeed uh, the the, the Zauland Four. These were two German converts and two ethnic Turks who went uh, to Pakistan together in uh, 2006. And it it is striking that Pakistan was only a last choice. They originally wanted to go to Pakistan, where one of, uh, no, to Chechnya, sorry, to Chechnya, where one of their close friends had already died in uh, 2002 or 2003, that was Thomas Hamza uh, Fischer, but they did not manage to find a way because the recruitment networks in Turkey did not let them go to Chechnya, possibly because three of the four did not have any uh, military experience at all. Then they decided that they might go to Iraq, went to Syria to study Arabic because they did not know Arabic uh, at that time, at least not well enough to communicate with uh, Al-Qaeda. And then, um, rather by chance, they found their way uh, to Waziristan to the Islamic uh, Jihad Union. And uh, in the coming years, when uh, greater numbers of Germans uh, went uh, to Waziristan, it is striking that there were certain communities here in Germany that seem to have been connected to single organizations in Pakistan. So to give you an example, the jihadist scene from southern Frankfurt Ulm and uh, Neu Ulm went to join the Islamic Jihad Union. People from Berlin first went to join the Islamic Jihad Union and then formed a new organization, the German Taliban Mujahideen. The there were groups from Hamburg and from Bonn, they rather joined the Islamic movement of Uzbekistan. And later on, and that is striking, later on, when um, people had more experience, um, when they had already stayed for a while in Waziristan, many of them tried to join Al Qaeda. So it seems as if uh, the choice of Uzbek organization, uh, organizations was not their first choice, but it was rather because of practical questions. It might have been because of language, but in the end, their final aim was Al Qaeda, showing to to some extent, how how prominent Al Qaeda uh, still remains, although it sometimes seems to us uh, that it has uh, uh, that it is, that it hardly exists anymore in Pakistan.
0: Right, right. Um, what role did the internet play in um, recruitment or radicalization?
1: Well, it it is very hard to say uh, whether. Uh, Well, what the cause, what the cause is. What we do see is a certain coincidence, a coincidence of the growth of uh, Turkish language and German language jihadist internet with uh, the growth of the Salafist scene here in Germany and the growth of jihadist uh, recruitment uh, in the country. I do have the impression that the growth of the internet and the growth of, um, um, of German and Turkish language material um, is the cause for the jihadist recruitment. Because we can see from about 2005-2006 that a growing amount of very important jihadist ideological mater- material is translated in, into German. Um, there is one author, Abu Muhammad al maqdisi probably the most important jihadist uh, theoretician, uh, of the last years, who has been translated ever since 2006. It was a movement which first started, um, in, in Vienna, Austria, but then spread, uh, to Germany, uh, to Germany proper. And, uh, it seems as if, um, this was the one jihadist thinker who was most, um, who was most rever- uh, revered among German jihadists, uh, in Uh, recent recent years. So the availability um, of ideological material, which until 2005 was exclusively available um, in, in Arabic, seems to have played an important role in the radicalization process. And to me, it seems as if it came before um, the travels uh, of all these people, and today uh, it is very easy to get all everything that you really want to read about the jihadist movement from inside the jihadist movement. In uh, translations, uh, there 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 are jihadist be- websites, there are forums which are focused on this kind of uh, dissemination of jihadist thought in different languages.
0: Right, right, and. Were they, the the people who were joining the groups, were they trying to target um, Europe? Were they trying to target America? So this question of the near and far enemy, what sort of role did that play in the uh, German people who uh, joined the terrorist organizations?
1: Well, it it seems to me that there has been a change in in recent years, namely that Germany um, has become uh, an increasingly important target. and that there has been you uh, know in, in in a way a trend towards the formation of purely german jihadist groups um when the zolland four when they went uh, to pakistan they later on um contested uh, in court in düsseldorf and uh, i had the chance to talk to t- to to some of the uh, suspects at that time because i was there as an expert witness and they very convincingly said that they did not Uh, really think about Germany. They wanted to leave Germany. They did not want to live here. Um, And they wanted to fight the Americans uh, in uh, in Afghanistan. And that is kind of a paradigm uh, in the first years the uh, the suspect the jihadist suspects they want to afghanistan uh, go to afghanistan to fight they do not care that much about the german presence in afghanistan but rather about the americans and even here in in, in germany when the Sauerland uh, cell yeah. uh, came back and when um, it is, um, they wanted to attack American targets. They talked about Rammstein Air Base, uh, the biggest American airbase here in Europe. Uh, they talked about off-base uh, facility, uh, facilities, but they always wanted to target um, Americans. And that has been a paradigm until today. Just look at uh, the first uh, the first successful jihadist attack here in Germany. That was the attack on Frankfurt Airport. On uh, It was on American uh, soldiers, two of them uh, were killed, two of them uh, severely injured in March um, 2011. At the same time, uh, with the growth of the German jihadist scene, uh, there seems to be a refocusing um, um, among them. At first we realized that some of these young guys who went to Pakistan uh, then went to fight in in Afghanistan, but they wanted they they insisted on fighting uh, the German presence in the north of the country in the Kunduz area. And that, uh, in a way, was easy because the Islamic movement of Uzbekistan was intensifying its operations uh, in the northeast of the country from uh, 2008. But then we had this emergence of the first um, exclusively German jihadist group in the tribal areas, the German Taliban, uh, Mujahideen, in uh, late 2009, and I think that was an indication that, was, that, that there was something German uh, emerging. Emerging, the head of the, uh, this group there was Ahmed Manav Bashe, a Turk uh, born here in Germany, was extremely anti-German, and because he was uh, deported from Germany uh, to Turkey in 2000, he seems to have developed. Um, an extreme hatred uh, of the German state and German uh, society. So ever since, there is talk in the jihadist scene about single personalities who want to build exclusively German outfits, who want to fight not only the German presence in Afghanistan, which will be terminated next year, uh, but also the German state. And ever since 2011, we do see a growth Um, of jihadist activity here in the country, uh, but uh, these uh, efforts uh, to perpetrate attacks uh, have been foiled until now.
0: Um, You start your book with, I believe, an excellent um, description of the whole concept of a near and a far enemy for the jihadists. Um, So would you like to just give a summary and maybe explain why um, well explain that they're actually concentrating more on this far enemy as the target rather than the near enemy
1: well, I think that that is uh, of course a new uh, a new phenomenon. this debate about the far and the near near enemy is uh, perhaps the most important debate uh, debate among jihadists for i'd say the last twenty years and uh, part of my introduction is um is drawn from my older German language book, The Near and the Far Enemy, and it is uh, focusing on my view um, of the jihadist movement, especially of Al-Qaeda in 2001. If uh, at that time you looked at the organization from the point of view of, let's say, a regional specialist, an Arabist, a Saudi Arabia or Egypt specialist, then you would always... See how much these organizations were still oriented towards their home countries. Um, and I always read the September 11 attacks as very much connected to the home countries of the jihadists, namely, that the message was if you, the US, don't withdraw from Saudi Arabia, from Egypt, from Algeria, we will ta- attack you time and again, even. Um, in the economic capital of your country even in the political capital uh of your country and that uh, i think has changed in the last um, uh, 12 years and this can be this can be seen uh, by taking a closer look uh, at the german example but also other uh examples and i think the main reason is uh western intervention we do have uh, an ideological uh, basis for anti-americanism. We do have an ideological uh, cause for all these attacks for the internationalization um, of um, of the jihadist movement in the last 12 years, but at the same time being under the the actual pressure of the Americans uh, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in, in other countries worldwide, I think has made the thought of attacking the far enemy, namely the United States, namely Israel, namely the European countries who, um, at least the allies, uh, the the important allies of the U.S., a lot uh, more prominent. So something that many observers saw as something that was unconnected to any local situation in 2001, that was transnational, that was new terrorism, which I thought as premature in in 2001 has become a reality in 2013, but because um, uh, partly because the s- uh, serious mistakes of Western counterterrorism, uh, and I would always argue that, um, especially because of the Iraq War, uh, the intervention in Afghanistan, the indirect intervention in Somalia, and so on, all these interventions have made uh, the argumentation that the West is, is attacking. Islam in general a lot more convincing to many young Muslims, and that is a problem in 2013.
0: Right, right. Um, we might move now to um, the Islamic Jihad Union. Uh, they get, it gets its own chapter in the book, and a very good chapter. Do you want to describe this organisation and how they came about? <laughs>
1: Yeah, the Islamic Jihad Union is uh, is is a fascinating organization. I heard about them um, quite early when I was still in the government, uh, but uh, when the first when the first news about the Zawaland group emerged in in 2007, it was virtually unknown uh, in, internationally. And um, it is a splinter group of the of the far bigger Islamic movement of Uzbekistan, but the Islamic Jihad Union, in contrast to the IMU, um, had, mm, well, uh, early on developed this thought of attacking the far enemy. The IMU, um, until 2007, was still very much focused on uh, targeting the near enemy uh, in their case, uh, the regime of Islam Karimov in Uzbekistan. The IJU rather adopted Al Qaeda thought. It splintered uh, from the IMU in late 2001 or early 2002, and then um, coexisted with uh, Al Qaeda. Coexisted with the Haqqani network in uh, first in Peshawar and then in North uh, Waziristan in the coming years, and it. Uh, at least according to the Saarland um, group, Fritz with Adam um, Yilmaz, um, the organization uh, was relatively small and it did not have any foreign fighters in its rank when they joined it in 2006. And it had already perpetrated attacks in Uzbekistan quite un- unsuccessfully in 2004. And then uh, when these four guys from Germany Um, arrived, it had the idea, its leadership had the idea to send them back uh, to Germany in order to perpetrate attacks over there on American targets, but also in order uh, to prompt the Germans to withdraw their troops um, from Afghanistan uh, in 2007. Well, the Saarland 4 they returned to Germany, they planned the attacks, and uh, these attacks were thwarted. But suddenly the uh, Islamic Jihad Union, although it was small, it never had more than 100 to 200 fighters, probably uh, suddenly became extremely prominent um, in the in the jihadist landscape uh, worldwide. And this is when the Islamic movement of Uzbekistan um, well, had to react in order... Uh, to keep its permanent position in the in the Uzbek uh, jihadist scene, although where the Islamic Jihad Union uh, afterwards uh, was uh, well was fought by the Americans, it, uh, its leaders were killed by drone strikes. But still, the organization seems to exist uh, until today in uh, North Waziristan. But it is a lot weaker than in its heyday in 2007, and I don't know whether we will hear. Of it again
0: right right and these groups the different groups when one group splits from another they don't exactly exist harmoniously um, do they actually fight within each other or against each other
1: well they 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 sometimes do there, there are uh, I think it is ex- extremely important to see the differences uh, within the jihadist movement and I think it's uh, it has been one uh, major mistake of Western policymakers um, to not pay attention to these differences. Um, ever since 2001, most of these groups who uh, are jihadists are called either either called Al Qaeda or Al Qaeda affiliates. And in the case of the Islamic Movement of Uzbekistan, for example, this is pure nonsense because the IMU. Um, was a competitor of Al Qaeda in Afghanistan already until, two, until September 2001. And later on, there have been even violent conflicts uh, between these uh, two groups because these organizations, of course, they they compete for resources, they compete for money coming in, uh, especially from the Gulf uh, countries, they uh, compete for the support of their hosts in Pakistan uh, and uh, in uh, Afghanistan and uh, in a way, there has been a certain convergence between especially uh in the tribal areas, simply because all these organizations are now under the pressure of the American uh drone strikes. but it would have been a lot wiser uh, after two thousand and one to take a very close look at the differences between the or- these organizations and perhaps well um, try to work um, on the conflicts, try to foster conflicts between these organizations. Uh, And after all, not all of these organizations have totally illegitimate aims. Of course, we cannot agree with an organization that wants to build an Islamic state, let's say, in Libya or or Uzbekistan, but it's not that illegitimate to fight uh, against the regime like the one of Colonel Gaddafi in Libya or the regime of Islam Karimov in Uzbekistan. And one of the One of the, um, well, one of the most problematic results of uh, the Western war on terror has been that many of these organizations who were quite nationalist in the beginning then turned internationalist, adopted Al-Qaeda's global uh, jihad and then started fighting not only the near enemy but also the far enemy. And in the case of the Islamic movement of Uzbekistan, for example, this uh, could have been avoided.
0: Right. So basically, um, had they been able to support themselves and concentrate in their initial aim of fighting in their home country, they may not have needed to branch out to international terrorism or targeting interne- other, other nations
1: yeah and uh, well in a way after 2000 uh, uh, 2001 all these organizations uh, and their personnel was uh, was was persecuted as al qaeda affiliates and this wasn't, this was not uh, this was simply simply not the case and many of the many of the people who were prominent in international jihadism in the last 3 or 4 4 years we're not internationalists in the beginning, and we have to ask ourselves whether uh, our countermeasures are at least partly responsible. Why fighting, for example, an organization like the Islamic Movement of Uzbekistan, which has not been an enemy to the West until 2007. It only became an enemy um, after um, its ranks were decimated by uh, by Western attacks in Pakistan.
0: Right, right. Well, let's move on to the Zauland Group now. Um, you've already talked yes. about them a fair bit, yes. but how about a, just a quick recap of um, how the participants all joined this group and how they were brought together when they moved overseas and then what they attempted to do mm-hmm. in Germany.
1: Well, the Zauland Group is, uh, is still a, a little bit of an enigma because uh, they confessed in court, they talked um, at length about their time in, in Pakistan, in Waziristan, and about, um, their plot, but they did not talk about their radicalization process, and I do not think that they told the truth when, um, when presenting uh, their early careers here in Germany. Uh, there are two parts, um, which constitute, um, this group. But the main center seems to have been the multicultural house in Neu-Ulm, where at least the ringleader, Fritz Gelowitz, and one of uh, his friends in the Sauerland group um, came from. It seems to me that they were not only radicalized there, that is obvious, but they were recruited and then found their way to to the Islamic Jihad Union. Whether or not any recruiter here in Germany or in Turkey uh, was implicated um, has not been established until today, but I think that in this, uh, in their travels, there has been a lot more organized activity, uh, than, than they confessed, um, in court in Düsseldorf. But anyhow, they joined the Islamic Jihad Union, um, in, uh, 2006, were trained by them, and then asked, uh, by the IJU leader, Najmad-Din Jalalov, to perpetrate Attacks here in Germany. They agreed, although they uh, at least said that they had not planned to perpetrate attacks in Germany. They said that they planned uh, to join the fight in Afghanistan. They went back to Germany um, and started um, trying to procure um, the necessary ingredients for um, for the explosives. And. Uh, The German authorities uh, had not known that they left the country. They had not known about their stay in Syria, nor about their stay in Pakistan. But uh, the American NSA, the National Security Agency, alerted our foreign intelligence service in October 2006 that there was this small group of guys who had returned and who might planned terrorist attacks in Germany. And in the coming months, between October 2006 and September 2007, um, German security authorities followed these four guys, and then in September, when they uh, began to assemble uh, the explosives in a small holiday home in the Sauerland region in North around Westphalia, they were arrested. That was the biggest counterterrorism operation in German history uh, until today, and uh, the Trial afterwards was the biggest counter-terror terrorism trial in German uh, history as well.
0: Right, right. And uh, this is the group that you were saying you were able to interview some of them then after the fact.
1: Yes, uh, yes. Um, oh, I, I am, uh, uh, I, I am an expert witness in all the. Um, terrorism trials here in Germany ever since 2006, and when these people confess, when they talk, I um, I have the chance to talk to them uh, as as well, and especially uh, the ringleader uh he told ta- uh, he he told the court a lot about his uh, his experiences. It's hundred hundreds of pages with uh, their confessions, with their testimonies, um, which enable us uh, to take a. Where the first deeper look at the German jihadist scene, especially in Pakistan.
0: Right, that's a bit of a dream opportunity for any researcher.
1: <laughs> yes, it is, and that's. Uh, but in a way, it's typical for the Germans. Uh, in in comparison to many of their Arab jihadist colleagues, uh, they seem to be uh, not that deep into into jihadist ideology. So it seems to be a little bit easier. To bring them to talk, uh, to talk in court, uh, partly because this is rewarded by the German court system, uh, and there have been other cases where uh, German jihadists returning uh, were talking to the prosecutors, talking to the police uh, here in court. So we do have, I mean, uh, quite a decent picture of what is going on, at least in Pakistan um, and in Afghanistan. Uh, however, they tend not to talk a lot about their experiences in Germany in order not, um, well, not to pose problems to their friends here.
0: Right, right. Well, look, I've taken up a lot of your time with this interview and I really appreciate it. But just to, uh, our final part of the discussion, <laughs> be, um, what would you say is going to happen in Germany in the uh, five to ten years to come in regards to activity as far as radicalization and jihad, jihadist activity in Germany?
1: Well, I think uh, I think the trend is clear. Uh, organized activity, uh, meaning activity um, controlled by Al Qaeda or other big organizations, uh, will or is already um, is already reduced. So, the big organizations have problems. They have realized that it is very very hard t- uh, to plan attacks in Pakistan, send the people back to Germany and perpetrate attacks here. We have had the Zahlan plot, but also uh, the events of the Euro plot, uh, Al-Qaeda members being sent back to Germany in order to perpetrate attacks here. And all these attack plans have been uh, thwarted by the German authorities but always with the help of our American allies. So this is, uh, as it seems, not the future of jihadist terrorism in Germany. What I think uh, is important, though, is this um, in, indigenous uh, trend. We have already seen the German Taliban, Mujahideen, uh, as the first German jihadist organization. But uh, when its, its head, Manas Barsher, was killed in, uh, in the tribal areas in April 2010, this uh, organization disintegrated. But we do see right now that there are lots of German jihadists here in the country who want to organize they already built a small organization which was primarily active um, in in propaganda on the jihadist internet they called themselves uh, the nation of abraham milad uh, ibrahim it was prohibited but all these people are still around for the time being we do see some activity uh, jihadists planning terrorist attacks but without connection to larger Organizations. Whether that will be the future of German jihadism is not sure, however, because so many, many of these guys who have been identified by our security authorities as dangerous um, have left to the Middle East. Right now, uh, um, up to 120 German persons are suspected to have joined the fight um, in Syria. Mm. And the future of German jihadism, I, uh, I think, depends to a large extent to what will happen in these countries because these are Germans, they go to Syria, and if they come back, we don't, do not know what will happen.
0: Yep. Well, I mean, that so many groups, even Abu Sayyaf and others, began from people who came home from uh, the war in Afghanistan in the 1980s. And I know in Australia we have a similar issue where the Australian Federal Police are watching the people who are going to fight in Syria as well from Australia and yeah. hoping yes. like you that um, they don't come back to reform themselves into some form of other uh, organization locally.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the the thing that has changed is that in in recent years we have seen the first um, efforts of German jihadists uh, to build uh, German outfits, propaganda groups, terrorist groups, small cells. That is that is rel- uh, relatively new. So the the whole phenomenon is not something that is dependent on events in Pakistan anymore. We do have an indigenous scene which has grievances uh, concerning their life here in Germany, concerning the foreign policy of the and security policies of the German government and so on. And The question is how this will mix with the return, uh, returnees from Syria. And The problem is um, about Syria is that it might well be that uh, the rebels win the war over there. And it might well be that Jabhat al-Nusra, the Nusra Front, will play an important role in the political future of the country. If that is the case, I think we will see um, a new, uh, more German phenomenon, uh, more indigenous phenomenon uh, growing here in Germany in, in, in the coming years. But I think that the time of the big organizations, um, at least Al-Qaeda, has ended for the time being.
0: Right. Well, look, Guido, um, I have to recommend your book to the readers, if for no other reason than the tremendous amount of detail that you've put into <laughs> what doesn't look like a very long book, but I I just couldn't get over every page. You could reread it. I almost, I, I do a lot of work with social network analysis, and I always wanted to plot the the relationships as I was reading the book. So um, it is a tremendous read. It's a great read for, as I said at the beginning, Thank for one who doesn't have a background in the European continent because... It gave me a very different perspective on what's going on, both in Europe and in the Middle East. So, congratulations on an excellent book.
1: Thank you, thank you. No problem. That's really nice. <laughs> That's all right. You deserve <laughs> okay. it. Okay.
0: <laughs> thank you very much for the interview. Too.
1: Well, yeah, no, it was a pleasure.